Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have comics and trades that have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price. An example of their great prices is for Amazing Spider-Man number 653. In this issue, it's the second part of the Revenge of the Spider-Slayer storyline. It seems the insect army is attacking Manhattan and Mayor Jameson, and Spidey calls for a Marvel team-up and brings in his friends from the New Avengers. The cover price for the book is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Okay, gang, we've been on the line for two hours. This is another new episode for you, but we've been at it for a long time. Now we're doing the regular portion of the show. We're keeping Josh along with us uh, to be a guest to talk about the topics and the reviews, etc., and message board questions. So thanks for sticking around, Josh. Thanks for having me around. Um, as I was telling before you hit the record button, I've been on a lot of episodes this year, but I've never gone to do a traditional issue reviews and message board questions. So well, after really doing to do so that. much research, you deserve it, so I appreciate it. Uh, we'll start with Spider News. New Spider News this month is uh, there's a new cast. Uh, actor joined the Spider-Man reboot. His name is Kevin Cushing. No, no, no. His name is Martin. <laughs> His name is Martin Sheen. Uh, Charlie's daddy is going to be playing Uncle Ben. It's also rumored that Sally Field could possibly be Aunt May and Zoe Deschanel. Is that how you say it? Zoe Deschanel. There yeah. you go. She could be that horrible person, Betty Brant. Aww. <laughs> so, uh, we'll we'll start with Josh. What do you think of Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben? He's the first confirmed one. I have no problem with it. It's, I mean, we don't even know. I'm hoping that they're not going to do the origin again. And if they're not going to do the origin again, the most we'll probably get with Uncle Ben is a flashback. And it could be even the briefest of briefest scenes. It's not like he's going to have a big role in the movie. It'll probably be something akin to Jor-El in the Superman movie. So, I, th- I mean, I think, Mar- I think Martin could pull it off. I think they're casting a young Peter Parker, so I imagine... Martin Sheen won't have to get very much gray hair. I think it's going to be a younger Martin Sheen. Well, I, re- I read somewhere. They thought that they were going to do high school, but they decided that because Garfield looks um, as old as he does, that they are going to go ahead and do the college route instead. Oh, gosh. I didn't even – I didn't. where'd you hear that? I, that's news to me. Um, in, in an article somewhere, but – I've heard it, it talked it, about, until but I didn't know that it was announced. confirmed. Huh. Until yeah, it's officially announced, you know, you never know until – so – that like the thing with Zoe as Betty Brandt, I, I take all that with a grain of salt until it's yeah. announced because we're in. They haven't even started shooting this thing yet, so we're going to hear the rumors. Um, yeah. I actually like Betty Brandt in the movie. You know, I have this love hate relationship with her, and if they're if they're going to go classic, you know, and do a love triangle, have it be Betty and Gwen. Okay, sure. Right. What about uh, Forrest Gump's mama, aka Gidget, aka Frog from Smoking the Bandit, playing Aunt May? I'm not very picky when it comes to my actors and actresses. I mean, Sally Field, it's how can you botch Aunt May? It's, you know, it's a really <laughs> simple role. You know, she has to say something inspirational and then say something to make Peter feel guilty. And, <laughs> and that, that's it. You know, whatever else the actress is going to bring to it, it's it's all going to depend upon the, the story, really, what, right. how they're going to pull it off. JR, did you used to watch Gidget back in the day? I used to watch him when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Gidget, but the Flying Nun. Oh, the Flying uh, Nun, yeah, yeah. Um, as far as uh, the casting with Martin Sheen, I think that's abs- that's great. That's absolutely terrific. I love that. Uh, you know, Martin Sheen is uh, is politically is just an absolute nut job. But <laughs> uh, but as far as acting and and Uncle Ben. I mean, even though Uncle Ben's can't be in the story too long, he has to be a significant presence because yeah. you, you have to remember him and you have to feel lost when he's gone. And that's, you know, and I think they've done a, a, a great job, you know, with they did a great job with Cliff Robertson. And uh, I think this is great casting. I like uh, 
I like Sally Field as Aunt May. I, I want to see. I want to see something different this go round. Even though if yeah. they, you know, Ultimate Spider Man is not, uh, you know, naturally not my first love when it comes to Spider Man chronology or continuity. But I want to, you know, I want to see something different this movie. And and like, uh, you know, and by the way, she's a two time Academy Award winning actress, isn't she? I mean, yep. <laughs> so yeah, places what we, in the heart and uh, Norma Ray. Wow. Yeah, so, Bring, you know, and that out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And as uh, yeah, well, I was about to say, let's just let's have another round of trivia. Brad's fired. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Sally Field Crawl Space yeah. Podcast. I, I do. Someone, I do someone else they, can write the questions. <laughs> I, I do think they should throw a Forrest Gump type question in there, though. Uh, you know, like like my Aunt May said, life is like a bunch of chocolates. I know it's so obvious, but I do like that uh, that somebody suggested that. I, I know nothing about uh, Zooey, Sluey, Pooey, Zoe, whatever. <laughs> so I can't. Uh, wow. I can't. And on that, but as far as Ben and May, particularly if if Sally Field does take May, uh, I think that's great. That's awesome. Uh, Kev, do you like uh, Martin Sheen? Didn't you used to watch the West West Wing? No, I've never seen the West Wing. I'd like to because it's got good actors and it's done by Aaron Sorkin. But yeah, I knew, I knew you were a Sorkin fan, so that's why I thought you did. But yeah, I've uh, I've liked Martin Sheen in plenty of things. I think he's uh, some pretty good casting for Uncle Ben. I'm just terrified that when they've cast such a kind of big actor for Uncle Ben, that he'll have a much bigger part than I'd like. Because yeah. uh, I just really so badly don't want them to do the origin again, and casting like that makes me think they will. Um, Sally Field, I think, is just another check in the we're doing Ultimate Spider-Man column. Um, yeah. Because she's, she's much younger than you would think of Aunt May, but the Ultimate Spider-Man Aunt May is a bit younger. so Like 50-ish. Uh, and, yeah, well, so that's Sally, what I'm thinking. Sally Field's in her early 60s. Yeah. Yeah, but she doesn't exactly look like about to die Aunt May we're used to, you know. <laughs> she she reminds me a lot more of Ultimate Aunt May. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I like was that, telling was a good joke. Was that a real laugh? Was that was that a real laugh or was that like the thing that, that Commissioner Gordon pulled out of the Joker when he, you know, <laughs> crashed? That was awesome. No, that is uh that is my evil mad scientist laugh. <laughs> that was cool. I thought it was. I thought that about to die. That you. Ah. That's the quote of the podcast. <laughs> and you wonder why children are afraid of you. All <laughs> <laughs> right, Tony. It's on. It's coming before the. It's on like. Over. It's Don- on like Don- Donkey Kong. Copyright Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> Bailey. What's what's going on with your microphone? You sound like you're talking into a can. <laughs> He's in the bathroom. <laughs> Not that Still can. in the shower. Is that better? <laughs> there you go. There you go. There okay. Go. It was pushed up, and I didn't realize I didn't. Wow. Zoe uh, <laughs> Deschanel, Zoe all my Chanel, what, Chanel number five. What do you think of her as Betty Brandt as a horrible person? That could be interesting. Honestly, I'm just sad that uh, Elizabeth Banks didn't get a chance mm. to do more with Betty Brandt, because I thought she was a good choice for it, and I, I thought it was interesting. She, uh, had, she had she, some good parts in the movies, though, I thought. She didn't get Especially much. the third one. Yeah, the third one. She, uh, she said she was, you know, she had read the comic books and she really liked the character and it was Peter Parker's first girlfriend. She wanted to be able to do more with that and she was kind of disappointed that she couldn't do more. And that, you know, when somebody is uh, into it enough to really get into all that, uh, I would have liked to see her be able to do more with it. But Zoe Deschanel is a good actress, so uh, I don't see a problem. We'll just see how she's used. Mr. Bailey, you're from the theater. Um, Martin Sheen, damn, that's like perfect i mean uh i liked cliff robertson in the role but i think martin sheen will will bring a kind of a different elder statesman take to it sally field she's a fine actress and all i just don't really care for her on a personal level for some reason i i I don't know maybe maybe i'm still pissed off about uh stealing magnolias or whatever that movie was about where her daughter died and she had a hissy fit the funeral um, but she'll be a, she'll be good in the role, um, so I'll just wait and see on that. I uh, I think Zoe Deschanel is damn cute. Uh, she's on The Mentalist right now, that CBS show. Mm-hmm. She's kind of the sidekick to uh, whatever that guy that actor's name is. And I've seen her in a lot of other things that I've liked her in. So if they're actually going to do something with Betty Brandt, I think she's a good choice. Cool. Stella, what do you think? Um, I, I guess I'm the only one that thinks uh, all of these are a little strange and um, that I have to probably wait until 
wait uh, to actually see every because it just seems like the chemistry is off that they're getting very different actors and how they're going to mesh. I just don't know. Um, obviously, I respect all of them for their acting abilities, but yeah, um, yeah, just have to wait. Uh, my two cents, I, I really can't see Sally Field as Aunt May. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I always see her as Gidget or I see her as younger than she is. Well, that was a long time ago. <clears throat> I know, but I, still I see her as uh, in Smoking the Bandit. It's on every night on TBS, isn't it? But uh, Right I, after the Beastmaster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't picture her as an old lady, but I don't. she's not an old lady if they're going ultimate. But my Aunt May is close to dying, too, so... But Martin Sheen, sure, why not? I think he's a little young. I, I envision Aunt May and Uncle Ben to be in their 80s. I don't know why, but what you going to do? And Zoe, I, that's, I, I that's, know that's nothing. because she's like 16 seconds from being the Crypt Keeper. In exactly. The run, so. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what you going to do? Uh, let's see. Let's tackle reviews. We've only got two this month, shockingly. What do we have four last month, guys? It was... Uh, yeah. Came out this well, and this next month is supposed to be the first of the two times a month Spider-Man, but it's actually going to be three issues. Exactly, because <laughs> 647 slipped. Uh, this one, Amazing Spider-Man 645, written by Mark Wade, Paul Azateca, and Matthew Southworth. Uh, we're continuing the origin of the species. This is part four. Uh, the baby, the, got, the Osborne baby just got uh, handed over to the chameleon. So, we'll start off with JR, and the story starts off with the Hypno Hustler. Have we seen the Hypno Hustler since the 70s? Uh, we saw him actually in an uh, issue of Tangled Web. Um, I think he was in prison. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. He also appeared in a, a really, really nice cameo actually in the future in Spider-Man Reign. Uh, yeah. one of the, you know, few good things about that. I don't know that we've seen him in, in current continuity. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah. But overall, the issue as a whole, I mean, this was a <clears throat> snoozer. I mean, it wasn't really bad, but it's like, you know, they made this thing a five-parter. I mean, there isn't enough story for five parts. It should have been a three-parter. You know, again, we were doing the running, the chasing, and at the end, oh, another supervillain's got the baby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's like, holy crap, you know, I'm tired of this. Um, and, you know, part, and, it, and then it's like, please stop with the Carly Cooper promotional tour. I mean, <laughs> you know, she busts in, shoots Tombstone. Mary Jane says, oh, Parker's finally learned how to pick him or something like that. And it's like, please. I mean, does every character have to repeatedly, you know, say how great she is for, for Peter Parker? So, um, God, um, no, very, very, very dull, uh, issue. And I give it a C minus. Okay. Uh, Josh, what do you think, buddy? This whole thing, Spider-Man's mad. He's at his breaking point. Oh, he's not such a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man anymore, as the cop says. It's uh, Those stories can be fun because, yes, Spider-Man's not usually a guy to get angry and unleash, but we just saw that at the end of The Grim Hunt, and it yeah. it doesn't work here. It comes out forced, and one of the reasons why it does is we don't really get Spider-Man's uh, – internal monologue about how he's feeling you just see him kind of running around and being angry and it's him angry for the sake of being angry and when the brevort manifesto uh when that was published at the end of that uh updated version of swing shift there's a lot of stuff in there that people didn't like but one thing that i agreed with is he said that when you're using villains don't just you know make it villain a villain b you know having motivation for whatever fits the story when you use the villains they have to have specific motivations that fit in with their characters specific things that they're doing like and they followed that with the early brand new day issues like if menace came you knew that it was going to be because it was an election storyline here it's just random villains being webbed up for the sake of including those villains and yeah, I, I don't like that. And notice that Overdrive gets captured here. Um, that's going to become very important uh, when you guys do a podcast next month. Remember that he caught Overdrive. And it's just using the villains inconsistently. I don't like that. I did like the sequence of Spider-Man taking apart that uh, warehouse on the dock. I thought that was like mm -hmm. a really cool thing. And I'd love to see how that would have uh, played out c cinematically. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man chasing the chameleon through Craven Mansion. Yes, that was done in Pursuits, but it was also done in Grim Hunt like a month or two ago. 
Yeah. You know, like, he, he's mad, and he's going through Craven's mansion and chasing the chameleon, and, well, I guess they're playing hot potato with the baby, because the chameleon had the baby, then the lizard now has the baby. Uh, I'm not liking the art. I initially had a problem with Mary Jane saying Peter finally knows how to pick him, but then I'm like, oh, so Mary Jane, like, doesn't like any of Peter's other girlfriends? Then I kind of went through the list, and I'm like, yeah, aside from Gwen Stacy, <laughs> I don't think Mary Jane has a reason to like any of Peter's other girlfriends. <laughs> What's your grade? I'm gonna say a C. It's uh, I didn't really, I don't really like the art. I don't like Tubby Spider-Man, and I think that the angry stuff is a little forced. You know, there's a, there's a few good sequences like him and the Shocker, but ultimately, this is padded, and the it's just this is how villains become D villains when you know you take a villain like Shocker or uh, Overdrive. Well, Overdrive was a D villain anyway, or Looter. And then just have them get taken out, you know, in two pages of a regular story. Yeah. So this is a C. Michael, we haven't heard from you in a few months, or maybe a month. A month. Um, because I had to miss out on the episode where you guys discussed the wrap-up to the Grim Hunt, I actually haven't read those issues yet. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was kind of not new, but at least it wasn't repetitive as in I just read it a couple of months ago. And I think because of that, I was a lot more favorable to the overall story. Uh, I, I agreed as I was going through the issues this morning with a lot of the statements made about the previous issues. But when it came to this one, for some reason, I, I really, really liked it. Um, mainly because I kind of put myself in the mind frame of just this story, not considering anything else that's come in Brand New Day before, which is really odd because this is the Brand New Day wrap-up story. But... You know, I liked the opening scene. I liked the fact that Screwball got taken out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> should have been more violent. Then she come uh, back in Spider Girl number one, though. I think I don't have. She any, does. I saw I'll the let her stay there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure. I buy the whole new species thing. I think that was kind of. Eh. It's just like really okay. That uh, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, despite the dialogue, I kind of liked the menace scene, which may sound weird, but I appreciated the sentiment behind it. The arm breaking, completely unnecessary. I'm getting sick of seeing this crap in comics. There is absolutely no need to show a bru- something so brutal on camera. And I'm kind of getting sick of that in comics in general these days, but here I was just like, really? That... It, it it didn't shock me because I've seen it a thousand times before. I mean, you see this in, in movies and television all the time now, you know, just to show how horrible the fight is going. Somebody's going to get a limb broken, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just sensitive to that because of my wife. But overall, I liked this issue until that last page where the lizard showed up, and that took it from a B to a C. Mm. The, the lizard, compl- I was like, no, 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 he, he sucked ass in the last story, and I really don't want to see him in this one. Yeah. Great, sir. Uh, C. C. Uh, Stella. Okay. Um, I thought this was a pretty intense issue, and definitely one, I think, unlike any I've really seen. I mean, Spidey is basically berserk and doesn't speak until the final two pages. Um... So my con, I think that'd be a pro, but just because it was, you know, so wholly different than than what I've um, actually read before. So my cons, I guess I should say, is why would this baby cause Spider-Man to go crazy compared to all the other tragic things that have happened to him? Okay, I realize this is the last straw, but I mean, compared to everything else, why didn't he really go crazy? Um, Maybe when Gwen Stacy died, and maybe, you know, I just don't know enough, and maybe he did go to Berserk. But this just seems like he, he took it to a whole new level. Uh, the lizard reveal at the end uh, totally brought the issue down for me, and I, I forgot about the stupid hair that was peeking out from under his lab coat. And um, knocking the warehouse into the water... I thought was too violent for some reason. I just never really think of Spidey as being like a, a steamroller and um, just attacking the building and making it uh, completely drown. Uh, so I thought this was actually the best of the arc uh, so far, and I would give it a B, but it's not its obvious problems. Yeah. Kev? 
Okay, I'm first going to let you all in on a little behind the scenes from Spider Jeopardy. <laughs> for the uh, for the first 20 to 30 minutes of Spider Jeopardy, during other people's questions, I was reading these issues and writing down my notes on them. <laughs> so they're fresh. Yeah, they're pretty fresh. <laughs> Lord knows you had plenty of time to read them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I like this one better than most of you. Um, I'd say the art was actually much better. Whoever was helping as a seta, and when I say helping, I mean apparently doing most of the art for the issue, uh, was a lot better than as a seta has been. It seemed a little bit more Michael Lark influenced. Uh, there were still some really bad panels, like again, Carly's face in one point, and she's like, looked ridiculous. Um, and the writing was generally decent on this one. I mean, actually, I went for the whole going nuts thing. I mean, he thinks they killed a baby. You know, and this is a this is a little baby he's been carrying around, trying to protect for a little while now. And you know, it's it's a baby. And if somebody, especially this whole group of just unthinking villains, causes the death of this baby, I can certainly see Spider-Man just losing it. And I realize he's done that more than once recently, but I thought it felt right here. I enjoyed it. Um, the stuff I didn't like was the MJ loves Carly scene. Uh, that was that was ridiculous, and the lizard's back at the end. Yeah. But I'm not going to take too much off of this issue for that because that was just the you know final page thing. So overall, I'm giving this one a B plus. Wow, uh, B minus out of me. Uh, pr- you guys have pretty much summed it up. I mean, the artwork I think is a little bit better than the last one. Uh, did he have this artist helping him last issue? I can't remember if he did or not. M- Mr. No, not that I. Mr. Matthew Southworth. It looks like not it helped. I remember. Him. But um, <clears throat> my question to Jr. is, when when they write a scene like that in the book where it's so forced that MJ is embracing Carly, does the writer know that we hate Carly, or do they are they oblivious to it? Boy, you know, I I'm a half a mind on that. I think mm-hmm. that's a, because I think I, I wouldn't put it beyond them to do this just to piss off the people who complain. Yeah. I mean, I, I really wouldn't put it beyond any of them, um, and uh, and who and who? This is Mark Wade, right? Yeah. I I don't know if Wade is. I don't know has has Wade been in any pissing contest on the um, on the boards with anybody? I I don't no. know, but no, uh, but but it could be obliviousness. You know, I mean, they're so they're also they're so trying to you know make us like this character or make put, <clears throat> shoehorn this character in as Peter's mm-hmm. girlfriend. I mean, they. I, there, there's no telling what the motivation is. I mean, it could what? be just sloppiness. It could be, you know, Sieg Heil, Mr. Wacker. It could be, you know, you know, screw you, uh, complaining fans on the Internet. I don't know. I, I, Can I address that? Yeah, go ahead. It's, from a writing standpoint, in my mind, there are only two reasons that they would try to force it this much. Either A, they know the fans don't like the character, but this is where their plans are going, so they have to try to make us like her, and they're just going overboard. Or B, they're a bit unsure about the character, but they know Dan Slott wants to use her, so they're trying their hardest to make everybody, including themselves, believe it's the right thing. I've got Those a C. The only two I've, I've got a C. Uh, obviously... Spider-Man's long-term girlfriend is going to be Mary Jane again as a girlfriend. So they've got to bridge something in between that. And I think that's why they're forcing Carly so he can eventually break up with her. That's the only writing tool I can see what they're doing. And it's really, they're like hitting you over the head with it, like what they're trying to do. Like there's nothing that about Carly that you, nothing in the character I like. Actually, no, think about it. There could be a D that uh, perhaps they intend at some point down the line, maybe not too far down the line, to either kill her or have her break up with Peter, and either one of those, they want it to have this big emotional impact, so they're trying their hardest to build her up to this perfect woman really quickly so that that works. Or make her a villain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You could do that easily. But what is the editorial oversight? I mean, it's like... I don't, I don't like to diss Steve Wacker because one, you know, I, I don't like to be a complainer. I really don't, you know, and, and, and he's got a hell, a hell of a job. And really he's done a, as far as managing this whole process, he's done a really good job, um, as far as managing this whole process. But 
to me, this is just one of those, you know, sloppy editorial oversight thing. It's like, you know, man, you know, you guys are for, you know, he would say to his writers, okay, you know, it's like the broken web shooters. You know, remember the yeah. broken web shooters? It's like, okay, you guys have made this point. Let's let it rest. But, yeah. you know, I don't see him doing that. Well, and it's not just that different writers coming on have been the problem. I mean, Mark Wade himself has done this, what, three extreme times within this one arc he's written? Yeah. Anyway, that was just the point in the book that stood out for me that I really could not stand. The uh, the point I did like, and I think Gerard hit up on his review on the front page, it was Spider-Man was basically Batman in this issue. He didn't talk much, and he just had a lot of action. And I, I like it when he's in the shadows. He's just, uh, people are scared of him. Often, you know, people think he's just a wisecracker. But when he shows up, he can kick some ass. Uh, and I just thought that was awesome. And, uh, very disappointing with the lizard at the end. Who cares? We just saw the dumb bastard, uh, a few months ago and we couldn't stand it. And, uh, the lifting up of the warehouse was awesome too. You know, something we didn't mention at all, this is the very last issue of the Spidey Sundays. Uh, anybody care for that thing? <laughs> didn't read it. It was oh. beautiful to look at. I, I get, it, I it, it, it was yeah. confusing. Very confusing. I, I, I don't see much point in it. I didn't either. They're actually going to probably reprint all of them in one issue and charge three ninety nine for it, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to the next issue, 646, uh, uh, part 5. Is this the wrap-up? This is the end. This is the end of it. Uh, we'll start with Stella. We haven't heard from in a while. Stella? Okay. Um, well, it was pretty anticlimactic in my... Um in my opinion, you know, he spent the last year thinking that Norman was the father of this baby with the creepy ears. Uh, but then, you know, this turnaround seems like an attempt to somehow fix um, an error that maybe there was some sort of roundtable discussion and they thought, well, maybe that's a bad idea. Let's do something. And it just seemed really forced and I didn't like it. Um, and, you know, another thing that just seemed really unrealistic is Lizard idly standing by while Spider-Man runs tests. Um, (laughs) I I don't know if that bothered anybody else. He's just kind of sitting there waiting to get the results, like, um, exactly, like a father waiting to get the results from a pregnancy test or something. I don't know. Um, my pro would be, well, a happy ending for Harry, which I don't think that character gets too many happy endings. Um, and it may, of course, be a while, um, until we see the ugly mug of Lily since she flew off. So hopefully we won't see that until next year. Uh, but I give this a C. Okay. JR, what do you think of another Osborne? <sighs> well, we have plenty. Uh, yeah. You know, and, um, I, you know, I'm just exasperated. Um, I mean, be, uh, because, I, you know, I think people you know who who listen to this show mm-hmm. uh get the idea that we all like to sit and complain about these stories no. we don't we don't we want good stories we want to be challenged but i just had so many problems with this um you know first of all again this is a continuity thing maybe it's just me what's the lizard's problem with osborne i mean i was wondering I mean, that too I, I, unless someone's watching the MTV show, and you know that's how Osborne—I mean, that's how Connors lost his arm, I think, in a uh, some kind of industrial accident because he was working next to something Oscorp was doing. I mean, unless the right weight is taking it from there. But you know, as far as I know, Connors and Osborne <laughs> have never even remotely, you know, intersected at any time, uh, and you know, less for you know, less so even for the lizard. Um, you know, dumb lines, dumb lines, monkey, monkey flying words <laughs> like feces. <laughs> dumb line. I mean, it's, you know, that might have been funny somewhere else. And I like, I like, I, you know, I like monkey throwing poop jokes. I mean, as much as the next guy, but it, it's dumb here. And it's dumb coming out of Dr. Octopus. I mean, that's who, who said it, yeah. right? I mean, when the yep. lizard was controlling him. Um, you know, and as far as the thing of being about being Harry's kid, well, the previews board gave that away three months ago. <laughs> you know, because it was Harry, you know, Spider-Man and Harry Osborn teaming up to save the life of Harry's child, which of course didn't happen. What's the purpose uh, they, of Harry having another kid, too? By the way. Well, you know, as far as this kick into adulthood, I mean, he's got a kid already. Exactly. And it gets even worse with next month's issue, where Harry makes one reference. 
about he, you know, it's almost like someone does a, you know, oh, that's right, he's got another kid. We better make a reference to it, and the reference they make is awful. But I'll wait until till next month to do that. Yeah. Uh, again, the whole thing. Here's another thing that's missing about the whole brand new day thing. What is what about Harry's blood? Okay, I mean, again, I might have missed something because I'm not reading every single offshoot miniseries. But, you know, Harry, Harry's blood had the goblin formula. Now, we know it made him comatose. So did they, did they suck it out of him? Did they introduce some kind of, you know, uh, pathogen that, that, that got rid of it? Um, what, does Harry have this in his system anymore? You know, probably not, but... You know, again, that's a question that's not been answered. Um, you know, and Spider-Man doesn't even think about it either. You know, I mean, Spider—I mean, Spider-Man fought an enhanced Harry Osborn before. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man should be thinking, oh yeah, you know, Harry had the Goblin formula. It shouldn't be, oh yeah, here's Norman's blood, here's Harry's blood. Harry's blood's normal. No. Uh, yeah. And um, <laughs> God, um, we talked about the kick into adulthood. Um, just a very sloppy. I don't like the idea of Harry having another son because it looks like they're booting him and Lily out for a while because Harry's going to go into hiding, you know. And it's like, hmm. what's I, the point? I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, D, D, D. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bailey. Um, laughed at the Twitter feed bit at the beginning. I don't know why. I just thought that was kind of funny. I feel a little dirty about feeling that way because it's such an obvious joke. But the, the Twitter uh, feed—I don't remember that. Yeah, there's a line at the beginning where he says, "You should see my Twitter feed." Oh, okay. When Which the I think is Wade making a joke about his own Twitter feed, but yeah. <laughs> um, I liked that Spider-Man figured out the the tracer that Doc Ock put on him. Uh, kind of showed once again that he's got a brain in his head. Uh, yeah. And I love the takedown of uh, of Doc Ock in this issue, where he's just been through the entire battle, messing with him and getting it to the point where he pins his arms. Uh, I thought that was really neat. Not really surprised by the ending. I didn't read the solicits, but I still kind of saw it coming a mile away. And it was, as much as I liked the previous issue, this issue was a really disappointing end to this story. Because... It just seemed to me like we, we went through something for a big reveal that didn't feel big at all. And as a wrap-up to Brand New Day, I think it's fitting that we're kind of left with, eh, there was some good, but it was overall bad, and I'm really, you know, just want to move on. So yeah. I'm going to give this one a C-. minus. Kev? Yeah, this was uh, a fairly sloppy issue. Uh, the the big problem is that so much of it is taken up by a uh, lizard and Doctor Diaper Puss fight. <laughs> That's like the two worst. The the two villains they've done the worst crap to in Brand New Day get to take up most of this issue. Lizard talk drives me crazy. Lizard talking Doctor Octopus is even worse. <laughs> um, complete blech. And as Bailey said about uh, Spider-Man figuring out the Spider Tracer, or the Octo Tracer, I, I would have liked that if he had used his smarts, but he said Chameleon told him about it. So <laughs> Spider-Man never even actually figured that out. He was just finally told about it and apparently kept it on himself afterwards. Uh, um, talking about glossing over something big. Now I think <laughs> Um, I still think most of the art is better here than it was before. It looks like still the person they've got credited for and actually does more than Azaceta did, uh, which I'm fine with. Uh, I like Harry being the father, kind of, but uh, as we said, it was blown months ago in misleading solits that just kind of outright said it. Um, and, and yeah, the idea that this is going to kick him into adulthood, it's like, what about his other kid? So, yeah, this is a huge mess, really, and I'm going to give it a C-. minus. Okay. Uh, Josh? All right. Now, I hopefully this isn't overly nitpicking and this isn't a conspiracy theory, but I think that based on – remember that preview for Origin of the Species Part 1 where Lizard was with everyone else and it was Lab Coat Lizard? And then mm -hmm. they changed it to Vermin. I think that this story was written with Lab Coat Lizard in mind, and they had to quickly redraw him mm -hmm. to Monkey Brain Lizard, because he's doing science stuff. You know, like, all of a sudden, Monkey Brain Lizard is doing science stuff, and the way he's dressed, it looks like they could have redrawn, because he's wearing um, 
the Connor's lizard pants, and he's wearing a white kind of uh, hood thing, but that could have originally been a lab coat. And again, he's he's doing sciencey stuff. Now, the only hole in that theory is there's that whole Dr. Octopus gets infected with monkey brain, which I hated, when he's fighting Spider-Man, but that could have been an added to the last <clears> minute. I mean, maybe this is a conspiracy theory, but I, I really think that this was written with monkey brain lizard in mind. Otherwise, I mean, when they were drawn, if, if he was supposed to be like this, then why did they draw him like that in part one? Uh, what do you all think of that? Am, am I wrong here? Or? That sounds feasible, and there, yeah. there was just one tossed-off little um, internal narration from the lizard box saying, using Connor's brain is hard. Like, well, that, that's just one little box. Where the hell did that come from? Where's the rest of his narration? So, yeah, I, I would not be surprised at all, and you do have to think that something major had to go on to change the end of this story if, at the beginning of it, they were drawing Lab Coat Lizard, because the two do not match up. Yeah, and his whole motivation here, Monkey Brain Lizard doesn't care about humans and doesn't, like, what does he need, you know, the Osborn's blood for? Like, everyone... And what is his problem with Norman Osborn? They they no. don't tell us anything about that. J.R. is right, it was out of nowhere, Unless there was some random Osborne versus Lizard miniseries that was so bad we didn't even well, notice the salits for it. So I, I, I kind of see it as kind of a throwback to the 90s where villains have histories with each other that we, they don't reveal, but they talk about, but, you know, you don't know anything about it at the time. Oh, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? That's so <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, the serum thing, uh, like, J like J.R. already hit up. Uh, oh, well, he doesn't have goblin blood in him, which means that Harry's the father, because Harry obviously doesn't have goblin blood with him. Uh, when Gerard was writing his review, he, like, came to me as continuity consultant. He's like, what's the deal with Harry's blood? Does he have the serum or not? And I was like, uh, you know, they never addressed it. He had it. Maybe it's, like, not in his bloodstream anymore. Like, it, you know, it wasn't permanent, because it was a... He has a different formula than the one that Norman had. But like, even still, like, there's not even a... They had a throwaway line using Connor's brain is hard, but they couldn't do a throwaway line saying, you know, the Harry strain of the serum isn't here. And the only thing that they have about Harry's the serum is flashbacking him almost taking it and then deciding not to. So that, that, that was his big thing this arc. He ran away a few parts ago. There's something I must do. Almost took the serum and said, nah, let me get back to the panic room. Just in time for him to see Lily go away. And oh my gosh, the way Lily is drawn. Ugh. Like, the way everyone's drawn, just the faces here are horrible, but Lily's especially, where she's like cowering in the corner saying, There's a reason they call me Menace, Carly. I'm a menace to everyone I care about. <laughs> and, and then she's got the horns coming out of her head in human form, yeah. which, I mean, I guess this isn't supposed to be a glamorous character anymore like she was when she first came out. And. I shouldn't complain that I don't like looking at ugly people because, you know, <laughs> that's what fiction is. You're going to see ugly people. But I, I hated that. And then, again, like everyone else has hit up that whole thing, like, yeah, this is just what Harry needs to be in it, to be an adult now. Yup, he's a father. Yup, let's totally forget the fact that years ago he was a family man that had a wife and a son that he was devoted to. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't like some rock star that, you know, bones some woman and then, you know, sends some child support checks. He lived with his wife and raised his first son pretty much. People are acting like, you know, he's some 19-year-old here who suddenly found out that he's a daddy. Yeah, it's the uh, Maury Povich episode of Amazing Spider-Man. And well, it, it, that... it, it's oh, more God. of the brand new day syndrome coming in where nothing before really counts, though it all happened. So we're going to pretend like this is the first time anything ever happened, which is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And What's then, your grade, Josh? What do you think? And then here, Pete, I, I hated, I just wanted to hit up, I hated this line from Peter, an origin of the species indeed. Just a very clunky way to bring in the title of the... Like, well, he says amazing right at the end. That's another clunky yeah. Well, like, yeah. origin, was, of, or, origin of the species, because Harry has a kid now, he's like, this is a whole new Harry, an origin of the species. That doesn't even work. No, it's not, I, I, it's I, not I, conversational I, writing, if at all. I feel like Peter Griffin in that episode where he was talking that he likes to hear the name of the movie in the movie. Oh, so that's how it, yeah. I must be Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. 
I was I was actually thinking that when I when I saw this, but I I thought I thought it was too obscure a reference to make. But I I do like how the event Steve Rogers cleared Spider Man's name because hey he's an Avenger, so we always ask ourselves why does why you know why aren't the Avengers helping him or something like that. All in all, I'm I'm giving this a D. I don't like Tubby Spider Man. I don't like Lily's faces. I I still didn't like Tubby Spider Man. Uh, the the whole lizard thing doesn't make sense, and you know the questions about Harry and everything else just unsatisfactory end to this. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give it a D. Before I hit mine up, have I hit everybody else up? I think so. I think so. All right. I'll hit mine. A D out of me also. Uh, Really, I've said it when I was talking to JR. I don't think Harry needs another kid. Uh, I think it would have been a cooler storyline if this kid would have been a full goblin, but they just didn't go with that. Um, Lizard watching patiently as people do science experiments in the lab. Stella said that it's horrible. I mean, it's yeah, just ridiculous. It's out of character, it, and and it's just disappointing. It's padded work, uh, below par artwork, and just uh, not worth my. How much did I pay for it? Two dollars ninety nine cents. So D out of me. I, very uh, hot and cold arc, I think. All right, moving on to our uh, other topic is This Month in Spider History with JR. We are going back to November of 1978. Thanks to Sam Ruby, as I always say, samruby.com, for helping us put this together. This one, in November 1978, we'll start off with uh, Spectacular Spider-Man number 24 called Spider-Man Night Fever, baby. Written by Bill Mantlow, artist Frank Springer. This was the first appearance of the Hypno Hustler, who we just talked about in this arc. JR, were you, uh, did you have bell bottoms on when you bought this off the spinner rack? I was, I, I was so unhip. I never even <laughs> had a pair of, pair of bell bottoms. I just, I was, I was a sophomore in high school at this time, just starting my sophomore year. And like I said, I was just completely unhip. And, and I wasn't young enough to go into discos or anything like that. Okay. You know, this, this was, this is a fun month actually. This mm-hmm. story gets a lot of grief. But it's not that bad. I mean, it, it, it's, it's like the rocket racer. I mean, it, it, it's what happens when you pick up an obvious fad and you run with it. And then everybody looks back, you know, a few years, I mean, and it gets so dated so easily. And then everybody looks back and says how horrible it is. Well, it, it wasn't that. I mean, it was a typical, you know, it was a typical filler story until they moved on to something important. Because then, like, the next month, for example, uh, the carrion story starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was just a filler issue, um, you know. And, and I, I kind of look back on it fondly because it does have a, a, such a, a goofy villain. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, Bertone's texting about Betty being a horrible person, but they just... <laughs> Is this? They just sat and talked. I think, didn't they? Uh, they didn't do anything. Um, oh, amazing too this month. You know, like or, yeah. Or am I confusing that with one eighty? Amazing one eighty six. But but uh, anyway, um, uh, continuity uh, continuity glitches though. I mean, basically we, we fight. You know, the gang wants to take Peter out because he uh, he he didn't graduate from college because he missed a credit. Uh, nobody told Bill Mantlow the credit was Jim. So he's Peter's running around with <laughs> Peter's running around with books and, and you know having to study for having to go study for Jim. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so that you know that that's kind of a tell me uh, you know. refresh me because it's been years. What was Hypno Hustler's power? Was he he played the guitar and he hypnotized people to do bad things or what? Well, the um, he, he has. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. He had he had a group of backup singers. The Mercy yeah, Killers. This, this is getting like that Porky's penis sketch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had a group of backup singers called the Mercy Killers. Yeah, and their high pitched siren call put everybody in a trance. <laughs> And we call them tallywhackers. We <laughs> just agreed to call them tallywhackers. Oh, man. They put it, and everybody stood around in this trance and so that the Mercy Killers could, and it could go rob everybody and steal their wallets and, and at, I guess, at look the dance up. club? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but Peter, fortunately, <laughs> basically, he gives himself a web earwax job and sticks. Are <laughs> God, I gotta read this book again. He sticks webbing in his ears. 
so he does, so the mercy killers can't you know hypnotize him. So, oh. but yeah, I mean, it, the, but the hypno hustler does have hypnotizing glasses, right? Uh, and he and he also has he also has spikes coming out of his boots, which I mean. In the seventies, we all had spikes coming out of our shoes, you know. Um, and uh, so, and then Spider Man says, "Oh, I'm going to be turned into a Vegematic or something." Um, but uh, it, you know, it's a dumb issue, but it's it's a likable dumb issue. Um, but but uh, it's uh, yeah, definitely definitely read it with uh, with with uh, you know knowing that it was written in a time. And again, they dress he's dressed like Peter's dressed like John Travolta in Saturday Night Live. Oh, nice. I mean. It's so obvious, uh, uh, pandering to uh, to a uh, current uh, right. uh, fan. So, but but no, it's fine. I, I'd never noticed that continuity error where he's studying for Jim. Bravo, <laughs> pointing that out. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, back to spec twenty five. I, I know we won't do November, December seventy eight next month, but wasn't Carrion supposed to be Norman Osborn? Um, I read one time. This is one of those things I read once, yeah. and I just wish I the, wish the hell I would bookmark all this crap yeah. I read. Uh, because uh, you know, I hate to I hate to say something, and then you know, I ha- and I'm like Wikipedia because I think I, mean, I read read the same thing. And it I, was- I read somewhere where Mantlo's original intention was that Carrion was the desiccated corpse of Norman Osborn, mm-hmm. and when you see Carrion in the next issue with his little pe- purple purse, you know, yeah. and his uh, you know, it's definitely it definitely does look like like that, but uh, but so yeah, he w- I think he was supposed to be right. Also, that came out. Uh, in November 1978 was Amazing Spider-Man number 186. This one is called Chaos is the Chameleon, written by Marv Wolfman and Keith Pollard. Uh, Spider-Man's doing an acrobatic act on this one. Also in the uh, cover, it says Marvel's TV Sensation. Obviously, the 78 uh, TV show had just come on the air, and uh, this one's got the chameleon uh, in it. Tell me about this one, JR. This was a fun issue. This was a real fun <laughs> issue. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. You know, yeah, he's Marvel's TV sensation. And then when you open the pages, uh, Spider-Man's actually dissing the TV show. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, I, uh, the story for this is um, finally um, Spider-Man is cleared of the uh, – because he's been – basically, if you were reading Spider-Man, you know, after – between issue 190 and this issue, you know, he's always had the murder rap for Captain Stacy – uh, and Norman Osborn hanging over his head. You know, he's wanted in questioning for murder, you know. Uh, they say he was clear to the Osborn charge months ago in this story. I don't remember that happening. It might have. But basically what happens is the DA finally clears him of the Captain Stacy's death and saying, we now know Dr. Octopus was responsible, you know, and it's kind of like, well, duh, so did everybody, so did everybody below watching Dr. Octopus smash the chimney. That took, uh, him, that took him a hundred issues to do that. Yeah, it took him a hundred issues. So that's the story. Uh, and that's, and then Chameleon's in there and he's basically then wants to turn everybody against Spidey again. Uh, but Spider-Man gives this press conference, which is funny. Well, first of all, when DA, uh, DA Tower announces that Spider-Man's cleared, Joan is there, and Joan is just striping up the storm. And uh, DA Tower said, well, you know, he's cleared, there's no evidence. And, and Spider-Man goes, yeah, so nyan yeah, pork face, which <laughs> I thought was funny. Uh, he gives an interview, Jeanette, I believe it's Jeanette Kahn who shows up, asking him to do a comic book. Uh, Who's about Jeanette Kahn? I'm not sure I know she was. She was the yeah, publisher but... of DC Comics at the time. Oh, okay. Have you gotcha. seen this issue, uh, my, Mr. Bailey? No, I haven't, but um, but I need I mean, to it, now because it's, it's a woman. I mean, it's a woman, a relatively attractive woman, but she's got a uh, 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 black frizzy hair, and I think it. I think it is Jeanette Kahn, um, but I'm not sure. That's kind of what I wondered if if you'd seen this. Uh, and he says, "No, I gave the electric company uh, rights to free rights to do an educational <laughs> comic, which which yeah. leaves Spidey super stories in there." That's and nice. Then come, and then someone comes and says, oh, we want to do a TV show. And he goes, no, no, you guys are going to do something stupid, like give me a cape or a belt or have my web shooters up my nose or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so that, nice. that, that was good. Uh, you know, and, um, and then Spider-Man ends the issue by getting carried off uh, with a by a grateful grateful public, uh, you know. And this, like I said, Marv Wolfman. This was this was during Marv Wolfman's run, right at the beginning. And this is just part of what was going on. Why he had such an exciting run because something was happening every issue. In one eighty two, the marriage proposal. One eighty three, the rejection. Uh, one eighty five was when Peter 
quasi-graduated from college. 186, he gets cleared uh, of the old murder charges so they can go on a different direction. That was just, you know, it was fun reading Marv Wolfman's Spider-Man. Uh, and, and this is, this is a, a, a reason why. So th- this was a good issue. The other one that came out this month was uh, an anniversary issue. They didn't double-size or anything, but uh, Marvel Team-Up number 75 called The Smoke of That Great Burning, written by uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Pre, is this pre-Uncanny X-Men or is this after? I think it's pre. Uh, Bailey, would you know? Or Josh, or anybody? 78's uh, right when he would be on the X-Men, I believe. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, uh, this one has uh, Spider-Man teaming up with Power Man, and the cover has Power Man holding up a wall and Spider-Man bringing out a, a, f- a firefighter from a burning building. And this one has Mary Jane and also a first appearance of the Rat Pack. Is Sinatra in this one, Jr.? Uh, I didn't see him, Sammy Davis <laughs> Jr., Peter Lawford, or Dean Martin. Um, so I don't, nice. I don't know that that was that one. So um, this was a good, okay issue as far as Marvel team ups went. I mean, as as you um, you know, anyone who's read the old Marvel team ups know they were really hot or cold, and mostly cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I I'm not an obviously I'm an old white dude. So, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how African-Americans talk because I work in a professional environment. The ones I work with talk like me, you know, uh, except actually I'm the one with the southern accent. I'm the one, you know, I'm the one who's always dropping G's and saying ain't, you know, yeah. because I come from, you know. Southern, well, this was the Southwest. 70s, and, and Power yeah. Man was very much jive talking, I guess. Yeah, he yeah. was. But is jive, that's not even jive, is it? I mean, <laughs> I but, but anyway, this is this is Power Man's yellow vest and TR wearing phase. Yeah. Um, you know, and Peter, P- Mary Jane takes Peter to a disco. So we got two disco stories in oh, the same nice. month. And, uh, and for those of, for those of you who can't make up your mind whether or not Peter drinks or not, well, here's another one. Uh, he walks up to a bar and, uh, and, uh, basically s- s- the bartender tries to be smart with him and he just says, just give me the beer. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's, it's good because really, uh, you know, if someone asked me once, if I thought that Kate, when they became New Avengers, if Cage and Spidey would, you know, kind of, you know, connect. Uh, and I said, well, I don't know based on what. But this issue, actually, this is the first time they met since 123. And yeah. Cage intuitively figures out that, you know, he says, Spider-Man's doing this this whole superhero biz. He's not doing it like me for money. He's doing it because something is just eating him alive. And, uh, you know, and Cage, you know, so he figures out, he, he knows pretty Clearly, Spider-Man's a tortured soul. And then Spider-Man has an observation about Cage. You know, I kind of relate to Cage because he's a loner like me, and we both we both like it that way. Of course, Cage just started teaming up with Iron Fist, so I don't know how much of a loner he was. But it's it's an okay issue as far as the Marvel team-ups go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're a Luke Cage fan and a Spider-Man fan both, yeah, pick this one up. It's got some good John Byrne artwork in it, too. What are you saying, yeah. Michael? Quick note, I believe that is Jeanette Kahn. I just looked at the issue. And she makes a joke about Spider-Man versus Leon Spinks, and this was right around the time that Superman versus Muhammad Ali came out. Hmm. So I believe it was Jeanette Kahn, and they were making fun of Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny you mentioned the drinking thing, too, because in the same month with the Hypno-Hustler story, uh, they the waitress kind of gives them a weird look because they all order Coke instead of alcohol, so... He goes to a disco in two stories that month, one with beer, one with Coke. Huh. He was the designated driver. <laughs> no, they they all ordered Coke. Yeah. Like Betty, Shishan, all of them. So, Jer, it sounds like this was a really good month. I, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, yeah. And uh, I as I have to uh, credit Mr. Bertoni here again, uh, who's almost like my conscience working on me. He reminds <laughs> me that actually something did happen in 184 as well, which I left out, in that uh, his most uh, hated woman, Betty, returns. So uh, <laughs> To commit acts you. of adultery. Yes. Yeah. With the and white she, dragon, huh? And she broke into his apartment, you know. Yeah. Just saying, oh. horrible person. Yeah. All right. All right, we'll wrap it up with uh, some uh, recommendations. Let's hit up Stella. What do you get, what do you like this month? Um, besides men, I happen to <laughs> like a particular man named F. Scott Fitzgerald, and so my literature recommendation for this month is <clears throat> "Tender Is the Night." 
Um, it's actually ranked uh, number 28 on the Modern Library's list of the 100 greatest novels of the 20th century. But uh, it, it basically follows a young couple, um, Dick and Nicole Diver, uh, as they live um, in the south of France. And it, it's sort of the story of his role, uh, of Dick Diver's rise and fall. Um, he's a promising young psychoanalyst, and then his wife is also his patient, so she has her own issues. But I do recommend that. And uh, I, I kept forgetting to, but I recommend that everyone check out How to Train Your Dragon because it is finally out on DVD. I hear that's and awesome. It is. It is, yeah, definitely. And um, I would like to also pimp, even though it's already been pimped so many times, amazing Spider-Man classics. Uh, I just started listening last week, and I'm on episode nine, and it's it's fun. Uh, everyone has great chemistry on the show, and I, I was learning a lot. So, Cool. Kevin, what do you like this month? Uh, I don't have a whole lot this month, but I read the Superman <laughs> Earth 1 graphic novel by J. Michael Straczynski, and I liked it. Uh, it's definitely kind of a departure from the original mythos, but there was some good stuff to it, and then, you know, it's J. Michael Straczynski, so I, mm-hmm. it, it was well written. That, that's what you get. Um, and Shane Davis brought some really good art to it. So, but, you know, beyond whatever your feelings are about his whole quitting monthlies thing, uh, it doesn't really affect how good this book is, so I recommend giving it a look. Uh, and the only other thing I have this month, Views from the Long Box is back, finally. Yeah! Yeah. I'm uh, listening to that first episode back Stella. with Stella, which is pretty damn awesome. Uh, so I'm enjoying that and glad to hear it back. And if you don't already listen to it, then go out right now. <laughs> if we had more time this month, I'd get into the JMS uh, graphic novel. We might hit that up next month. I think that's a, a one quite... Somebody asked <clears throat> us the question. So oh, they we'll do? Well, it. hell, we're yeah. doing it this month. Then screw it. Bailey, what do you like this month? Um... I've got a couple weird ones here. I'd like to recommend a movie score to The Incredible Hulk from 2008. Mm. Uh, it's done by a guy named Craig Armstrong. It's an excellent, excellent movie score. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. I've been listening to it uh, on my ride to and from work uh, this week. Uh, really digging that. I love um, sampled a little bit of the 70s show in there, too. A little bit, yeah. Uh, not too much, which was good, because I kind of wanted, you know, the there were enough echoes of the 70s show <laughs> in the movie as it was. Uh, I wanted to, but uh, Craig Armstrong did a fantastic job. I want to, I want to recommend Netflix, <clears throat> simply because we finally sat down and did the, um, basically the on-demand service Three. through our Wii. Right. Where you can sit there and, and watch movies. It, it, some of it, it's a little disappointing that some of the movies are still DVD only, but I got to see, uh, Law Abiding Citizen, which was an excellent film. I got to watch the first three episodes of Spectacular Spider-Man finally, because they have the first like four volumes of that, uh, going on. I also have been watching the third season of the Incredible Hulk TV series. Which was, uh, which is the, one of the few that I don't own on DVD, so that's been fun. And, you know, for nine bucks a month to get, you know, as many DVD, you know, one DVD at a time and unlimited watching on the, on the Wii, I, I just can't recommend that enough. And I, I want to recommend eBay, which is this little site that I don't know if everyone's familiar with. <laughs> um, simply because I have been getting some really good deals on there recently, like, Two days ago, I won the entirety of Fall of the Hulks and World War Hulks with all the specials for 30 bucks. Nice. So since I'm now trying to get back into the Hulk, that was nice. And just, to, you know, if, if you do it right, you can find some really phenomenal deals on there. You just kind of have to be patient. And I was going to pimp Fuse uh, <laughs> that it's back. Uh, I, I did have Stella on, but I guess she forgot <laughs> in her recommendations. Man, she... She uh, recorded in the late 70s. That's not <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was recorded like 16 years ago, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was a joke, Stella. Calm down. Uh, I was also okay. going to pimp ASM Classics and Clone Saga Chronicles as well because I've enjoyed catching up with both those shows. Cool. JR, what do you got this month? Anything, JR? Uh, hang <laughs> on. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking here. I'm sorry. No uh, problem. And I need to turn my mic back on. Um, 
you know, I don't have any recommendations. Uh, I, um, I, I watched some things. Uh, there's a question coming up about The Walking Dead, mm. which, uh, you know, I did watch the, the original episode on, um, you know, because it was, um, streamed on the computer, whereas number two hasn't. You know, I, you know, I wanted to like it. I didn't dislike it, but, you know, I mean, I've seen a bunch of zombie movies and, you know, okay. <laughs> We've had a zombie plague and, you know, and the, you know, and, uh, we're killing zombies. Uh, so, you know, just, it just didn't stand out. This is probably one that maybe you would, ha- I would have to look at like the entire first series at one sitting, you know, to get a feel for it. Um, and then I saw Megamind with Spencer last night. He wanted to watch it. So we went and, uh, doggone, I couldn't recommend that one either. Again, didn't dislike it, but it's one of those things where I, you know, it had a really good idea. But for some reason, the execution just didn't quite pull it off. So anyway, hmm. yeah, no recommendations. Uh, Josh, what do you got? Your first recommendations on the show. I know. I've, I'm, I'm, I've always wanted to give recommendations. Well, <laughs> um, I've, I've been editing this week in between uh, doing uh, Spider Jeopardy questions. Uh, this hasn't been released yet because it's still being edited. But um, uh, Kevin Cushing and uh, Zach Joyner sat down to do a one-on-one talk about Spider-Man Crawl Space, the webcomic series, the Clone Saga, and stuff in general. And uh, it's a really nice and, you know, natural conversation. And I'm having to edit very little, cut out, you know, very little. And it's uh, – it's really the people who have missed Zach on the crawl space the last few months uh, will really enjoy it when it comes out. It'll be on the Clone Saga Chronicles feed, and him and Kevin have great chemistry together. And uh, duh. that's just been an, yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> that was it's a really cool. fun episode to do. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. That I haven't gotten to the end of it yet, so but I, I didn't I even know, know that you guys were doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, my, I think it's my first uh, time being interviewed as a writer on a podcast. <laughs> so um, I, uh, the Marvel Star Wars podcast, which hopefully I'll get a new episode of that out by the time this goes. Um, it's something that I'm doing where I'm recapping Marvel Comics Star Wars series issue by issue. The episodes are really short, usually under uh, between 10 and 20 minutes usually. Um, and the Marvel Star Wars series, they're currently out in omnibuses, so I'd recommend checking those out there. Yeah, I was just you know, gonna say that, I think Dark Horse is releasing them, aren't they? Oh yeah, the, yeah. they're fun, they're fun little wacky stories. They don't hold, they don't hold up like, uh, as much as with the new continuity from today, but they're good stuff. Um, wanna recommend Paul McCartney has remastered and put out, uh, the Band on the Run album that he did with Wings. It's really good, and uh, I'd like everyone to support that because me and Jory Grayson, who was Paul's uh, photographer for a while, we have a campaign going to get Wings into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and if Band on the Run hits number one on the album charts for a third time in a row, uh, that would be a really good push for that. And my last recommendation is a person. I uh, want to recommend Spidey Dude to everyone. He's an awesome guy. I'm sorry that he's not on this podcast and, you know, condolences to him with the hard times that he's having but if it wasn't for zach uh i probably would not be doing spider jeopardy i probably he was one of the first friends that i made in the crawl space community oh uh you know he's he's the reason why this has all happened for me so uh sorry you couldn't be here today bud that's nice yeah i miss zach too and hopefully we'll wrap up uh 2010 with him i think we should make it a point to try to work with him on that one uh my recommendations, what do I have? Um, two video games, a comic book and a TV sh- and two TV shows. Uh, I finished uh, Shattered Dimensions. I've set it on the board. I'll say it here, the best Spider-Man game of all time, in my opinion. Outstanding game. I just loved every minute of it. Uh, I think if you check out uh, Black Friday ads, uh, I think it's Toys R Us or something. They have it for 39 bucks. if you want to brave the crowds and go out and get Shattered Dimensions. Uh, for PS3 or the Wii or the Xbox, etc. Uh, the video game I picked up after, well, I, I started playing it before I got Shattered Dimensions, but I'm really into it now. Red Dead Redemption is a lot of fun on the PS3. Um, about a third of the way through that. Right now I'm in a Mario Kart-ish type race with horse carriages. <laughs> Currently in that game. So, okay. Yeah, that's kind of fun. So does Wario <laughs> blow by you at some point? No, no, but I tell okay. you what, man. It's it's fun, but I can't keep the damn horse on the damn trail in the old west. Uh, I 
I was I got my box this month for mail order, and I was kind of disappointed in the content of the Marvel issues. I the the first two I read were amazing, and I'm like, eh, it's kind of hot and cold. And I read uh, the regular Avengers, which they're stuck in the time stream, which I really am not liking that art, and that's that's saying something since I love everything John Romita Jr. does. I didn't really like New Avengers. I didn't really like the, the Carnage thing was okay and then i read the hulks and I, i'm like 10 issues deep into my stack of what i read at, at the very beginning of each month i'm like god bless this is a rough month for marvel and then i read fantastic four by jonathan hickman and steve epting is the name of the creative team and they just knocked it out of the park uh fantastic four is consistently one of the best books out there in my opinion and i i'm surprised that it doesn't have higher numbers because I just think this is as good as the four has been since burn. So just pick that up. If you haven't been, uh, I disagree with JR. I'm digging the hell out of the walking dead. I, I haven't read the trades or anything like that, but I liked it. One nitpick. I thought the opening was very similar to 28 days, but, uh, besides that, I'm just digging it. I, I it's one of the first things I watch on the DVR. I believe also, that 28 Days Later, because I'm pretty sure 28 Days was a Sandra Bullock romantic comedy. <laughs> That's what I was talking so about, actually. If they were I'm just kidding. Then, I'm impressed. <laughs> 28 Days Later, I, I stand corrected. Also, I caught up on about five episodes with the wife on uh, Boardwalk Empire on HBO. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, dude, it's really, really good. It's it's The Sopranos in the 1910s. So, oh, it's 1920, isn't it? Prohibition uh, I, and all that? I'm sorry, the 20s. Boy, you, you are my... Uh, Editor's box. <laughs> the Boardwalk Empire, very good. It started off slow, but it's really building. And I think they have either 10 or 12 episodes for a season, and I think they're wrapping it up pretty soon. But really, they're, they're uh, ending strong. So that is my recommendations. Any final words before I hit stop on this one? Gotta pee. Okay. <laughs> That's the end. And that wraps up our third show for November. We have one more coming out for this month where we tackle your message board questions. But before I go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for helping us pay the bills around here. They're still accepting November orders. An example of their great prizes is on the third issue of the Osborne miniseries. Now, according to the description of the book, it looks like Norman is in the middle of a prison riot, and the only way to control it is to put on the Green Goblin suit, and we all know what happens when he does that. Well, the cover price of the book is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas. Thank <laughs> you.